Welcome to the seven and a half floor of the Merton Flummer Building. As you'll now be spending your workday here, it is important that you learn a bit about the history of this famous floor. Welcome to Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute, the daily podcast in which we scour the newspaper in a vain bid to understand the film Being John Malkovich one minute at a time. I am your host, Austin Pryor, and joining me again today from Train Spotting Minute by Minute is Mr. Benjamin Bostock. Right in again. Hello. We've, I Good found myself stuff. in this weird sort of place again where I'm being forced to talk about being John Malkovich. It's very, it's very disturbing. My advice is just go with it. Don't <laughs> question it too much. Just try and enjoy the ride. Don't fight it. That's what my camp counselor used to say to me. We'll <laughs> 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 like to start off with a very um, inappropriate, horrible joke. Um, <laughs> Lovely. Oh, yes. So, uh, do you ever get called, Benjamin? By the way, absolutely not. <laughs> the uh, the the police and doctors call me Benjamin. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, today we discuss minute eight of being John Malkovich. Minute eight starts with Craig turning to the classified section, and ends one minute later with our first glimpse of the Lester Corp name on the listings board in the Merton Flemmer Building. I suppose this is the point where I can't remember the sort of official name for it in the script, but this is the point where the direction starts to happen in the plot. Like we've established our, we've established our protagonist. Yep. We've established his world. We've established what he wants. Everything's in place for that. But now we're at the point where the actual wheels of the, the forward momentum of our story is going to take place. And I think the fact that it's happening in minute eight is a testament to just how well sort of paced the film is as well. Yeah, because it's like some films will take like twenty, spend like twenty, thirty minutes just getting to know the characters but this film is for uh you know it, it doesn't it doesn't it's hang about it's very, no it doesn't it's very economical it doesn't it doesn't waste any time which is great yeah and um as you say it starts with the image of him uh, a very a very um a very antiquated image now i think circling newspapers because i think most people will just sort of flick through indeed.com or <laughs> total jobs in vain it's kind yeah. of nostalgic it's kind of nice I know that feeling all too well. And there was something I noticed as well. I didn't know if this was part of the satirical tone or whether this was actually what classified to a like, but I was I was looking through some of the Yes, some of the other other ads, listings yeah. that he was that he was not even the ones he was looking at, just the ones next to him, and it was saying things like one of them was um attractive female wanted for office admin job. I like don't office, think I, they, I don't think it said attractive. I think it's uh, like uh, you, they euphemistically say um, good appearance or something, which is like, yeah. th- which is a way they cover themselves by saying, um, uh, you know, that, oh, we're, we're talking to, we're talking about how you present yourself, not talking about your actual looks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's like it plausible a, deniability, but they're actually looking for somebody attractive. How's that, that really, that really struck me as weird and odd because imagine if you were looking at a job in in 2021 and it said something like you know yeah must be good looking you'd, you'd think that's a uh, it's dodgy that's a bit yeah and it was dodgy then scene, and it? it was already yeah. it was already like not not allowed um legally as well you know so what Absolutely, what we have yeah. here is uh publishing assistant slash editor female good appearance uh, then NOC, I don't know what NOC means. Uh, f- flexible schedule call, and then gives the number. Now the number is ah, the number is five 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 zero one zero. Of course. So, but uh, well, I I actually thought that this page 
were were real ads uh, until I saw the 555 because there is a difference in the print quality between this page and yeah. the next page. You know, in, in, you know, big budget movies, every single printed thing you see has been created just for the movie. But I yeah. think it's fairly clear from the other pages that they just picked up a, a copy of the New York Daily News and like there's a, an Ozfest article, you know, is what yeah. we see. And I, I, I have no reason to think that that's not real. You know, I think that's just a real newspaper. On the other extreme, someone who was really good at that was at that thing of like making the articles and films look real was, of course, Stanley Kubrick, because mm. he was obsessed with every single pore of every single frame of every moment. Yes. As, as all filmmakers should be, really. But, you know, especially him, like he'd have like whole like he would just have an article. He'd have like whole newspapers written. Yeah. And whole like fake stories drawn up and everything just right. And uh, so so that I guess that's what got me thinking about that. That well, I guess that's what this minute got me thinking. Really, is um, attention to detail, which I think in a film like this, I mean, in any film, it's important. Yeah, but especially in a film like this where there's the the plot is has so many, or it's uh, not at this point, but it's going to have so many moving parts. Yes, and love triangles within love triangles, and betrayals within betrayals, and pe- going in and out of people's heads and conscious consciousness. Go yeah. on, give it a go consciousness is is what that's the that's the best thing <laughs> and um <laughs> people's heads yeah <laughs> and uh worlds that you know and i think and am i right in thinking this was spike jones's first feature yes yeah it would just yes. been a lot of ads and uh some M- documentary shorts and and uh, a lot of music videos yeah and he was andy did a lot of stuff for uh, jackass as well yeah, um, he yeah he wasn't the director, or maybe he directed some, but he he was he uh, yeah. was just kind of he participated. He was involved. In, in the, he was involved in, the in their side. sort of yeah. yeah. He was involved in their crew and their little sort of yeah. entourage, and pro- probably helped out on some of the technical aspects of some of the crazy stuff they did. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I think I know that um, I know that he's obviously had a lot of directing already under his belt, so he, he probably wasn't too sort of worried about the technical aspects of it. But in terms of like. You know, obviously, making a feature film is a much different discipline to doing a, a two-minute ad or a music video or something like that. And for someone who, you know, han, han, for his first feature film, it's really well sort of, it's it's sort of like very attentive and it's very disciplined yeah. and it's very, it's not it's not sloppy in any way. There's there's a there's a control behind it and there's an authority to it that I think all good films have a sort of directorial authority I'm not saying you have to notice the direction but that you have to notice that that whoever is making the film knows what they're doing and you definitely get that vibe i think yeah from this. yeah as an audience member you're in good hands you're being brought along on this journey you don't have to kind of do a lot of the heavy lifting of of making the story work and making the you know characters make sense yeah obviously he was very lucky to have a script by charles kaufman which I think any director would be sort of blessed to have. But you, yeah. he, he was working from a very, very good starting point. But um, I'm, I'm trying to think what this film would be like if it was in the hands of other filmmakers. And I think that it, it, there could have been some good films. I don't think there could have been any films quite like this one no. on a par with this one. It's just a, there's that perfect marriage of um, director and sort of author. Yeah, as it were, yeah. You know, which, which, which so often in films can sort of be a a bit of a disaster if you get someone who just doesn't match the material. How would uh, um, how would Danny Boyle have handled this script? I think, I think Danny Boyle would have um, probably. 
I think I think if Danny Bell did it, I imagine it probably would have been. He probably would have done it in a bit more sort of a faster MTV style way, particularly all the stuff with going in and out the portal. Especially if he had made it back then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I imagine you know what, at this point in time, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Danny Boyle had read the script. You know, considering absolutely, like, yeah. they probably would have yeah. um, shopped it around a few directors. It went, it, he... it went around a lot of people. It was going around for several years. Um, yeah, and, and people would also just kind of read it out of curiosity have you heard this script doing the round yeah yeah absolutely so there was a lot of buzz around the script so um so it's quite possible that he read it yeah is it is it true that i when i was reading into it i was reading that john kuzak apparently said to his agent i want you to find me the most unproducible craziest non-hollywood script ever yeah and his agent said well there's this (laughs) yeah yeah i i have heard that as well i can't verify it but i think i think there's truth to that yeah I'd like to think so. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. On the sub on the subject of Spike Jones, I used to have um, there used to be this thing that was like I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called something like the Directors or the Masters series. And yes, it was a series of music videos. The work of director Spike Jones, the work yeah. of director Michelle Gondry, and there was another one yeah. for um, Chris Cunningham. There's been a number of them out since, but they were the first three that were released together. Yeah. I used to have those, and they they were sadly lost in when I when I was when I was moving around. Mm. And there was a there was a great purge, yeah, and I lost them. But which which is a shame, is I feel like um, in in terms of like a collection of music videos, I imagine that sort of YouTube online has basically made that kind of thing. Yeah, but there was a beautiful a book with it, with loads of details on the yeah. productions, and it's not all on YouTube, you know, definitely not. Um, True, uh, yeah. Especially if you look at the like Michel Gondry one, he went for uh, by his own admission, he went for uh, quantity, not quality. He he tried to make it as comprehensive a a catalog of his work as possible. Mm-hmm. So he put in all these like early fairly obscure music videos from you know a french band that was his mate's band and stuff like that so like yeah. they're they're real treasure troves uh, uh those those dvds and um yeah it's uh but they're pr- proudly in my collection yeah oh that's great i'm 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 i'm, I'm thinking of, tra- of tracking them down at some point it'd be nice to get like a if they did a blu-ray version but i imagine It'd probably be quite expensive now. Well, there was, to, yeah, I mean, it was probably expensive at the time to get the rights from all the record companies for the videos. Yeah, yeah, but it, more than that, yeah. it just there wouldn't really be much point because they're all they were all shot on video anyway. So the Blu-ray would just be an upscale, you know, um, which yeah, which true. can be better because you know an upscale done in a Blu-ray mastering studio would still be better than the upscale that'll be done by your DVD player or your TV, but yeah. it's still not going to turn it into something that looks like blu-ray you know what i mean but yeah so um so we have him um he finds the the position he's looking for um i don't know it word for word maybe you do i'll uh i'll give it to you here uh looking for a man with fast hands short statured file clerk with unusually nimble and dexterous fingers needed for speed filing lester corp merton flemmer building uh 610 11th avenue new york ny one zero zero one two and that's our sort of like like i was saying earlier that's our point where now the film is sort of now 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 the story as it were is, is beginning to come into play yeah uh, also following that is a shot that i i really liked i don't know why i liked it so much i don't know if it was intended to be funny but i found it funny it's the image of him walking down new york 
and he's got a sort of Craig Schwartz is obviously this a very arty, yeah, arty artist, isn't he? He's a man of his art, a man. Yeah. He's got the long straggly hair and the glasses and the sort of, you know, sort of secondhand clothes he's got on. And then when we see him now, he's sort of he's he, he's made an attempt to make himself look presentable, Pathetic. but it's not very yeah. good. At, yeah, he's got this <laughs> over. He's got this coat on that really doesn't fit yeah. or suit him. He's got this very sort of cheap looking old suit. Um, he's he's sort of slicked his hair back, but he's not really done too too good job. He probably, probably he probably could have had a shave. Uh, yeah, like um, he hasn't shaven I, and he hasn't dressed his wound. Like he's going, <laughs> he has like it's not quite an oh, open yeah. wound, <laughs> but he's got a a nasty looking shiner that you could you know you could put a little plaster on that and at least show the. <laughs> I think what what a plaster does in this situation or a bandage, I should say, would at least at least show your uh, interviewer that you know that you've got a wound on your face. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I just, I would, it's not so much that it's such an awful, uh, you know, bloody mess that I don't want anyone to see it, but it's just, I want people to know that I know it's there. <laughs> it's just, it's, he can't, yeah, he can't just do the George Costanza thing of just not acknowledging it in <laughs> exactly. any way and pretending yeah, yeah. it's not there. Yeah. Um, but I think we've all been in that situation where we've, going into an interview or, preparing yourself and you think jesus christ i look like such a <laughs> they, they are they are just going to take one look at me and yeah. say no i've had i've had a situation like that no this isn't um an advisable thing to do but i remember back in my younger halcyon days when i was looking around for work and there was a they were offering a job at the disney store oh which i'm not really like uh, not that i have particular passion for disney or retail yeah but i thought uh, it's kind of Movie might be interesting related. it's a bit yeah, yeah bit more interesting than working somewhere like Primark or somewhere like that. So, and, uh, but what happened was I, I was, I think I was about 21 or 22 and I'd been out the night before, which is always good to do before an interview. And <laughs> I ended up going straight from the night out to the interview. Oh. And with in the same, in the same clothes, I think all I did was stick some deodorant on. Oh, well then, it was, well then you're fine. <laughs> but the thing is, right. I thought I thought it was just me like they sit like an interview, you yeah. Know, like they sit down and say, "So, what are your? Give us a situation where you have worked well in a team, you know, all that yeah. stuff." But um, th- it was all like it was me and about ten, ten other people, all younger than me. They're all like fifteen-year-old fucking girls, and there's me, this fucking hairy guy in his early twenties, yeah. thinking of cider. <laughs> it's like spot the odd one out. Yeah, and uh, it was all like activities like. Uh, all right, so a little kid's come up to you and they really want to get the fucking Moana doll or whatever, yeah. and you've got to really active sell it. And <laughs> that's just me, just like... Oh. Uh, the, uh, so you're, you were uh, doing, uh, like, uh, role-play exercises. Oh, yeah. With was a, so I was going to say with a hangover, but you'd probably been still drunk and not I having slept. I was still drunk and I hadn't slept, and it was... <laughs> the, the, the one... It was like, what is the, the, the one thing, <laughs> with the exception of, like... I'm trying to think of like images that would be like avoidable, like I don't know, like walking out into a funeral and you're naked. Yeah, yeah. Just like a just a total fucking nightmare, Exposure, fever dream yeah. scenario. You, still drunk, surrounded by fucking teenage girls, and you have to pretend that you're talking to a child. <laughs> it was like it. It was. I might as well have just stayed out. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the reason I bring uh, the reason I bring up that story is because. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Sh- you're, you're leaving me on tenterhooks here. Did you get the job? What do you reckon? 
they didn't even they didn't even give me a dear John fucking phone. Yeah, thing. yeah. They're no, just they like... didn't even they didn't even go the b- trouble of going. Thank you for your interest. Unfortunately, you're not. What that's we're that's for. probably that was probably a kindness though. <laughs> you know, like we're oh, not going to patronize him by contacting him. Let's just leave him. He's you know. They didn't. They didn't even. I don't even think they said we'll let you know or anything yeah. like that. We, yeah, <laughs> just, we won't just, bother letting I, you know. Yeah, I just, I just left. Uh, but the reason I bring up that story is because I know that's probably quite a lot to gain from one shot in a film that's not very long. But to me, it's it 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 just has that that vibe of just like that uncomfortable feeling of knowing that you're going into somewhere that you probably don't belong. And yeah. you you just you just know straight away, don't you? It's not something that you twig eventually. It's it's just you just walk in somewhere. I'm sure you've been in situations, oh, yeah. not not just job situations, but just situations in general where you just walk in yeah. and go, "I should I don't be belong. here. I'm, yeah, I don't fit. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't right." Yeah, but um, the gym. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ditto there. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like the. The shot when he finally goes into the office, yeah, and we see the big list of companies, which always reminds me of the. It reminded me of the shot in um, Hudsucker. Uh, no, go on. Yes, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, that, the job listings that... in Hudsucker proxy are a bit like that, but yeah. Now that you mention yeah. it, yeah, that's actually perfectly spot on. Yeah, but I was, I was, I was also thinking of the, um, the scene in Monty Python's The Meaning of Life when they. Uh, the, the the opening film that starts it. Oh Crimson yes, the Crimson Assurance. Permanent Assurance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just they go into an office where all the walls are just decked with like companies. Obviously, being Python, it's all like funny companies like Live Organ Transplants Incorporated. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and the middle of the film, it's it limited and stuff like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, and, and there was also again this might be you might know this more than me, but it's like we're in. This is technically the eighth minute, but it would be. On on a clock, on a like a, if you're watching it on a DVD player or whatever, it would be oh seven. Yes, it would seven. end at the eight minute mark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that would that mean that when he looks at the thing that says seven and a half, does that mean the clock is technically at seven thirty or around? That, that is time? a very good question. Um, I did check. Let me just run the actual, the actual film here instead of the 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 split minutes. Yeah, so I have it here, um, and now that I did observe this, now that I see it, I observed it um, when I originally uh, did my minutes. At the seven and a half minute mark of the film, we are looking at the ad, looking for a man with fast hands. Right. Um, that's so that's exactly seven ad, and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the ad yeah. it specifies the floor name, doesn't it? it so, it's on, no, it it specifies the building. So it introduces uh, the Merton Flemmer building at well, the seven yeah. and a half <laughs> minute mark. Yeah, you have to you have to kind of squint a bit, fudge it a bit, um, but it works. I thought it was a neat bit of uh, Jungian uh, synchronicity going mm, on there. Mm. Um, but uh, it's that feeling of... I was getting a big anxiety. I don't know if you get this about going into lobbies of places where I'm just, they're being going to judge me. Like, oh, it, right. Oh, it always yeah. Reminds me of, uh, like, it always reminds me of the uh, the bit in... <laughs> this is a weird film to compare it to, but it's like a bit in Die Hard where <laughs> Bruce Willis goes in and he's he's looking at it's got and the Nakatomi lobby it's got all like touch screen stuff. Yes. And he just doesn't get it because he's too cool and manly to understand technology. <laughs> and um, it's it's sort of that same. I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that cinema seems to have a a nice little love of of walking into lobbies and feeling very anxious yes. and very outsidery. Uh Blade Runner you know. um walking back yeah. into the precinct yeah. um at the start of the movie. Yeah. 
lobbies are kind of are designed to be intimidating and they have a, a you know do you belong here sort of vibe about them. <laughs> which if if he had any sense in in real life craig would, would turn around and, and leave but, uh, <laughs> obviously that obviously can't do that because then we wouldn't have a film yeah to talk about. yeah well uh <laughs> but i think craig does belong on the seven and a half floor i think if it was a normal if leicester corp were a normal uh place um he yeah. probably wouldn't belong but he, he they, fits in there they they kick him out within a week yeah more if it was if it was just any, any other he'd be gone i mean he wouldn't he wouldn't get the job in the first place if it was anywhere <laughs> yeah, else <laughs> i wish it was as easy to get a job as it was in this film. yeah it's almost um, like the film is playing with us uh, because it's so early in the film that you know he's going to get the job. Yeah, because yeah. things like this are just we're we're setting everything up at this part of the film, so um, it, it's almost like they're just you know they they have that shot that I that I do think is intended to be funny with him in this the suit jacket, just, but he's got jeans on underneath it, and he's yeah, got really and he's got this crappy yeah ill fitting everything and the stubble and the bloody face, but we know pretty much we know that he's going to get this job or that something interesting and pertinent to the plot is going to happen when he goes at least yeah right so I think that's all I've got to say about this one. Oh, fuck well that was a bit abrupt you know every time I think I understand this portal it throws something new at me and if you think that Ben's ejection from the portal just now was the result of some hasty editing to, like, I don't know, cover up the fact that I forgot to record an outro to this episode, well, I've got something to tell you. I am a professional podcaster, and there is no way that I would do... Oh!